actually really excited to talk to him. He's got a real whiz kid in terms of, you know, salon education, helping salons to kind of grow Businesses, their business, yeah, marketing, literally the, everything. I'm he's pretty the guy sure he knows he's, how to do it. And I've yes. never met him after, gosh, 20 years in the industry. Heard a lot about him, so. Welcome to the Respectfully Podcast. I'm Vicky Pope and, and I'm Lauren Stone, yeah. editor of Respect. Yeah, definitely. I'm very excited to be here and be doing the Respectfully Podcast for the brand. Brilliant. Who have we got today? So today we've got Ken West with us from the director of 365. Um, so yeah, he's, it's very exciting to have him in because he's got lots of helpful tips for all you salon owners. He's a proper business, I can't even say it, he's a proper business brain. Absolutely. Maybe I won't say it, would yeah. it, right? No, maybe don't. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. Let's put the kettle on while we wait. Oh, let's do it. So Ken, really nice to have you here and to meet you. It's good to be here. In your own words, yeah. introduce yourself, because I feel as though there are so many things that I could say, I'll probably lose people. You've got <laughs> lots of different hats and lots okay. of career behind yeah. you. Yeah, well, yes, uh, uh, people ask me what I do. I'm director of 365 Education, which is an organisation that helps salon owners and their teams to run more successful, more profitable businesses that helps them to earn more money. Uh, if you ask me what I am, I'm a hairdresser, a very rusty one. Right. Because I haven't, you know, worked in a salon for many years now. But uh, at one stage, I owned three salons of my own, um, and I joined Three Six Five as a member probably now about 27, 28 years ago, when I realised that although I was a good and successful hairdresser, as my businesses grew, there was stuff that I didn't know. I didn't know how to run a business. I didn't have the systems in place to run a business. So, although I was good at what I did, I found myself being the one that did all the work. Uh, and making a lot of the money, and most of the money in some cases. Uh, but as I grew, I realised I, I needed to become a business person, so I joined 365. As my career went went on, I became a coach for 365. Uh, then I, eventually I went to, I was asked to go and work for 365 as the assistant to the then director, a young lady that I know you know because she's done one of your podcasts, Debbie Digby. Oh, yes. Um, yeah, and know. yeah, Debbie and I joined 365 actually on the same day. Oh went skipped merrily hand in hand through the program together um, and uh, then she went on to become director of 365 and, and then she asked me to go and work with her help her working on the program and when she decided to leave to go to greener pastures uh, the role was offered to me which initially I declined because Debbie's shoes were hard to fill uh, but I took the role and love it and I've been doing it now about 11-12 years um, and I absolutely enjoy helping hairdressers to to get more out of their business and stylists to to be able to earn the livings that they want to earn. Right. So, so three six five is a club. It is a club, yes. And like a community. So how uh, yeah. how do you join? How does it fund itself? Uh, people pay to be members. They pay right. a subscription to be a member, uh, and depending on the subscription that they pay, they have access to initially a core program of education, which is eight two-day courses or currently two-day courses are they in the salon or uh, no they're in um we go away to a a, a, a business education center right uh, out in high wickham so you get out of the salon because it's important to go away from the salon mm-hmm. and focus on what you're there for and they we work with other salon owners so we'll have like a, in a couple of weeks we've got a course coming up with just under 100 delegates on different courses so running 
five or six courses at the same time. They work through this program and the program covers all the areas that they never cover when they train to be a hairdresser. Right. When you train yeah. to be a hairdresser, you learn how to do hair. Yeah. But you don't learn how to run a business. And, and many hairdressers move on to owning their own businesses. And then they realise, like I did all those years ago, that there were skills that I didn't have. I didn't know about um, payroll. I didn't know about VAT. I didn't know about accounts yeah. and finances and HR and all the things that I needed to know about when I was an employer. Right. And when I was a leader. Um and uh, a motivator and all the things that you have to be when you have people working yeah. for you. Yeah. Um, so we coach people in all those skills. So there's like a, once you're a member, there's a program of things that there's you can a program choose that you what work you through. want. Oh, right, yeah. so there's a, no, there's so a, there's a, there's a structured program that initially you work through. Okay, like and that covers all the things course. that we yeah. know that you need to know. Right. Sometimes the things that hairdressers resist because they didn't go into hairdressing to understand numbers. Um, but I know only recently I know of an amazing salon that has had to close the doors because of poor financial control and no business will survive nowadays with poor financial no. control mm -hmm. um, in fact that's as if not more important than being a good hairdresser uh, customers expect to go into a salon and find a good hairdresser yeah yeah. Uh, they don't f expect to find all the other things. So, so kind of just making that point, because that's a really good one, is that uh, I think that over the years of being a journalist and a, an observer in hairdressing, there is this sort of idea that a lot of people have that you can't be both. You can't be creative and business. Totally. Uh, I can analyse a salon and, it's, uh, and how it's performing just by looking at numbers. Mm. And we have systems that we provide for our members. Uh, and quite often, because we have... Uh, just, uh, just under 200 salons throughout the country that we work with if they're in a challenge they've got a challenge the first thing I ask them to do is send me information and quite often I can tell the problems by looking at the information it's not because I'm amazingly clever it's because I've been looking at these things for so many years yeah. so I can see what, a, what help a, a stylist needs to grow uh, what help the salon needs to grow where their focuses need to be and once people realise how important that is to their business, yeah. whereas up until then they just thought it was numbers that they didn't want to know about because that's why they went into hairdressing in the first place, yeah, yeah. because they weren't numbers. numerate. Yeah. Once they realise how vital this is to their business and they get on board, then quite often, even if they don't love it, they learn to appreciate it. And some yeah, people yeah. go, I absolutely get this now. Yeah. I and to not be so afraid. I think it's that yeah, it's yeah. building your it's confidence, isn't it? And getting the empowerment to be able to make the changes. Because yeah. I think some people get so stuck in a rut that, you, like yeah. we were saying, they kind of follow, they follow on from they, their predecessors. They, they buy a salon quite often that was owned by, uh, it was either the salon they worked in, which is actually how I got my first salon, I bought out my own. Um, or they buy another salon and they take on all the systems from that salon who probably took it on from the person before. Yeah. So you're working with systems that are historical. Yeah. And may have been relevant when they were first implemented, but aren't relevant now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and it makes such a difference to a business when they really understand how it works and how it helps them to grow. And we're not just talking about finances. There's, there's other skills that we didn't yeah. learn as hairdressers, marketing skills, and, you know, the world yeah. of social media nowadays, yeah. which none of that is taught to us. I was lucky when I was in business, I, I had a, a business partner who was very creative and and it ended up that I, yes, certainly I, I took on the majority of the administrative side because it was my strength. And I remember at one point trying to make him do what I did uh, and it, it nearly broke him. 
And then I realised, why am I making him do something that I'm better at when he's better at this and I'm better at that? Yeah. So, so I, I am strengths. a believer in partnerships where oh, some yeah. people aren't. But if you don't have a partner that you can share the load with, someone you can trust, and actually, I want you the business I said to you earlier on that has recently folded. I think there were people that were partners, but the, the trust wasn't there. Mm. So one partner let the team down. I was very lucky when I was in business with my partners. Um, but I think, you know, you've just got to get what you can out of this and learn as much as you can. And it's not as hard as you think. No. Certainly if you've got the right systems. And as I said, we provide those systems for hairdressers. And the other thing about the club is, and this is the importance of a club, is that we're always there for them. Mm. I mean, just driving here today, I've spoken to two members on the way with problems, and there's another one. You're like I'm, the Godfather. Well, I, yeah, there's, there's, <laughs> yeah. a, there's another one. I said, look, as soon Dial as I finished, yeah. Yeah, as soon as I finished here, I'll I'll phone them back. Yeah, yeah. No, I think having that somebody on speed dial who can support you is really really interesting. And one of the one of the reasons Lauren and I invited you here today is because you have such a big, interesting overview of businesses and salon businesses and you touched on it earlier how things change so people need to learn things that you wouldn't have had to mm. learn 25 30 Absolutely. years ago we were particularly focused i think yeah, on a retail and, and, how, and how that's kind of changing and how you know people have i go i guess got to move with the times and whether they kind of want to or not and, and retail is you know booming online as well now isn't it so how it is how do you i guess a how does it affect salons and b what can they do to either start doing retail online or you know yeah what are the big pitfalls and the advantages okay. do, do you have a view yeah and there's there's there's, there's issues here and the, the first thing and i've been i, I won't i have to be careful to say that i've been upsetting but I, there are times when i please forgive me i kick ass yeah <laughs> i sometimes think we hide behind things yeah and for the last two years i've been telling hairdressers to get over what I've been hearing for years. Hairdressers say we're hairdressers, not salespeople. Yeah. Well, get over it. Yeah. Because if a client comes into the salon and pays you money, they're buying something. Yeah. If they're buying something, someone's selling something. It's a so therefore it's a it's a it's a service industry, it's selling stuff. Mm -hmm. Now the fact that you're selling creativity and artistry and ideas and whatever it, it, forget that, mm -hmm. you're selling. Now actually if you consider ensuring that a client goes home with the products to make sure she gets fabulous results at home, then surely retailing is just part of that total service. Mm -hmm. Okay, so once we get over this, yeah, we're creative, not we're not salespeople, yeah, yeah. forget it. Because, and also, as a stylist, don't tell me you want more money if you're not prepared to do something to grow your business. Now, what retail does do, and this is really, really important, Retail to a client creates loyalty. Mm. If uh, I used to joke when I had my sales, I used to say, I love the fact that my clients think about me in the shower in the morning. <laughs> and, 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 but what I meant was when they're using a product that I have recommended yeah. and they're happy with the results. And showed them how to use exactly, it. Exactly. There's a tiny little bit of them that remembers me and it just reinforces the fact that I'm part of their world. Yeah, yeah. I'm the hairdresser that cares about them, that makes sure the product they're using in the shower right is lovely. Yeah. Even when they're getting to the bottom of the product, I guess Correct. it's like, oh, I better go back to and I bought that from Ken. Let's yeah, go back yeah. and get it yeah. from Ken. Okay, now, now and again, they'll, they'll buy it online unless, and we'll talk about this in a moment, now and again, they might buy it online. But nine times out of ten, they'll come back to you because they're loyal to you. Yeah. Now, why this is crucial 
is that if I've done your hair and I've recommended wonderful products, you trust me. There's a trust there. Yeah. You know I'm not going to tell you about something that's not going to work. So if I suddenly talk about a different product, I'm not just telling you something different. It's because I feel it's better than the first one. And you trust me. Now that trust is vital with a hairdresser and a client yeah. because there will be times when I will be suggesting a new cut or a new colour or a new treatment or a new whatever, whatever it may be that I want to move you forward to. And if you trust me, you'll go with me. Mm. Yeah. You'll trust that something I suggest is going to suit you. You'll trust me that the product or the treatment or the service is going to suit you. So it's part of this trust issue. So there's loyalty and trust. Yeah. And, and that's a, a, it's such a bond between a, a customer and their stylist. Yeah. And, and if we lose that bond, that's when you lose guests. I talk about creating a compelling future for a guest. So if I'm working with, uh, if I'm working, I'm just, just looking at the table at Nikki. If I'm working with Nikki, I'm now thinking, well, I would if I was still in the sun, I'll be thinking of the colours I'm going to use for the autumn. In right. my hair. Yeah. And then I'll be thinking about what I'm going to, how I'm going to give you advice on what you can do with your hair through the party season. Yeah. How you can create different looks during the party season. And then I'll be talking about some ideas for what we're going to do in January. Yeah. When you're feeling a bit glum, the world's got a bit miserable, how can we change you mm -hmm. and revive your look? And then we'll be looking at colours for the spring. Yeah. Because we'll lighten your hair just slightly. And then we'll do something in the summer that we won't then do in the yeah. autumn. So if I create a compelling future for me, for you yeah. and me together, yeah. you're not going to go down the road for five pound off for a haircut. No. You're not going to stop no, coming to me a, because my price goes now. up yeah. by five pounds. Yeah. Because you're not buying the product, you're buying into me yeah. and my service and my recommendation and my advice. Do you think though that people, um, clients come into the salon, they have their hair done, they ask about the products, you know, they're educated by the stylist about the product and then they leave the, leave the salon and you know go online and try and find the, the products cheaper elsewhere there are some people that will always shop online no matter what there are some people that will always always try and get something cheaper somewhere else let's just clear this one up about you can always buy everything cheaper online we have done research ourselves mm -hmm. with the products because uh, the other part of the, our company our parent company distributes many, many products. One of the ones is, is Paul Mitchell and, mm -hmm. and, and Unite. And, you know, we have quite a, a broad band of products. And we've done some research and we've looked at some of the online offers. And quite often you go online, there's an offer. And when you come to buy it, there's, a, there's a, a, either a delivery charge yeah. or you've got Something to buy hidden. more yeah. than you wanted in the first place. You've got to buy two mm -hmm. instead of one. Yeah. Or the size isn't available, so you've got to buy a different size or... Sometimes when the product comes through, and we've, we've actually, we know this to be fact occasion, there is a large market for pirate product. Yeah. So you can't guarantee the product. So yes, th there is the option to buy online and some people will take it. But actually, if you've got a relationship with your stylist and the stylist talks about the product and it's at the right price, then I am quite happy to buy from my stylist because it's part of what we do. Yeah. The, the challenge with a lot of hairdressers is they don't even ask the client if they want to buy it because they are... Sh and so this getting back to the, the retail thing. One of the challenges, hairdressers have given up. Yeah. They go, well, everybody buys online. So that's the excuse you're using, isn't it? No, that's not yeah. an excuse to use because everybody doesn't buy online. And I worked with one of our members only, only last year who got a care factor. And remember I explained to you, care factor is the percentage of guests that goes out with the product they need. 
She said, if I'm gonna ask my team to retail products, I'm gonna use all the advice, and she's one of our coaches, all the advice that we give them and the tools that we give them, and we give people tools to, to help them with retail and systems to use with a guest to help with retail. She said, I'm gonna use all those myself. Before I, I say to my team, your numbers aren't good enough, I want you to work on those, I'm gonna see if I can do it. And she got her care factor up to 45%. Right. So that's nearly yeah. half of her yeah, clients. Yeah. We'll leave it with you something. work with most sales, you look at most sales, they're lucky if they're doing 10%. Yeah. In fact, I had some research recently at our recent conference, and we get information from from Sound IQ, they share their numbers with us so that we can use them in our presentations. And the retail in, the, in most sounds is down to five, six percent. Yeah. So this lady got hers up to 45% simply by doing yeah. what we encourage people to do, which isn't selling. All it is is, actually we say to Stice, you don't sell products. We manage to sell products by advice. Yeah. If we give the right advice, the right guidance, the right coaching, show people, and yet you have sounds that don't even have testers. No. They don't let people play. It's very short-sighted. Yeah. If you think, I mean, you can buy anything online. Of course we, you we can. We wouldn't have supermarkets. No. If, if, if you followed that presumption, we'd all be shopping online. Absolutely. And the, the, <clears throat> most of us like to mix it, actually, don't yeah. we? I do a lot of shopping online because of my family set up my workload, but I don't always want to, and sometimes I actually want to go to the shops. And going back to what I said earlier on, if we make this part of what we do, the recommendation, the advice bit, there's no difference between me upgrading you to a bottle of shampoo than it is upgrading you to a new treatment. Yeah, yeah. Is it cheaper online or, I, you know, you've got it on sale for this price, but I know I can find it cheaper. What would be a, a snappy response to that? Because I think sometimes it helps if we give people little ideas of how do you we respond do. to that. I mean, I probably wouldn't. I mean, if it, as a gesture of goodwill, you could match it if you wanted to. Or else I would just say, you know, yes, you can sometimes buy things cheaper, but where did you get the advice? Yeah, yeah. You know, where was it first shown to you? How did you first get to use it? And 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 there is that to it. Of course, you can yeah. buy most things cheaper mm -hmm. somewhere else online. Um, uh, it's uh, good to find, I guess, as well, a point of difference. I mean, obviously, I've got very curly hair, so... When I see my stylist, I know that she she's also got curly hair. She knows how to deal with my hair, so I find it hard to manage sometimes. So I trust her in the products that she mm. like. It comes back to the trusting. Like yeah. you know, if you've got hair extensions, you would trust that person. <coughs> so I guess trying to find a point of difference with your client that you're dealing Absolutely. with. Absolutely. Um, and the issue of someone coming back and saying I got it cheaper. Let's be honest, we could go to many places, yeah. buy something, and find it cheaper down yeah. down the road. And actually, if we focus on that, we're missing the point because. Yeah. It's like the customer that complains. If we focus on the customer that complains, we forget the ones that don't. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes we focus on the negatives. Yeah. Because for anyone that comes back, every guest that comes back and says, "I got, I could buy this cheaper online," you'll have a hundred guests that don't say a word. Mm. Yeah, they don't say anything. And that, and you actually said it at the beginning as well. I suppose in a nice way you can again remind them that. You know, it might appear to be cheaper online, but mm. perhaps by the time they've checked out and added the delivery and waited for it to arrive and so on, the convenience yeah. of having it with you and the fact that you can, you know, explain how to use it and that if they have any challenges with it or if they're not getting the result mm. that they think, they can come back and ask you. Yeah. So I suppose it's, I think it's sometimes hairdressers need to be a bit more approachable they as do. well. That idea that, um, you know, I've heard it often said, oh, you know, we do free fringe trims, but to actually 
say, and we give you free advice, you know, mm. come back if you're in between some visits, if you want any advice or ideas or something's hard to manage, you know, just really explain to them that they're welcome to come back. We always used to say to our customers, you know, if you buy a product and you don't like it, just bring it back. Yeah. I can't even count on one hand the number of times that happened to no. me. Yeah. And so, okay, if someone did bring a product, a bottle of shampoo back as long as they hadn't used two thirds of it before they decided they didn't like it yeah <laughs> you know if they've used it used it a couple of times and didn't like it i would happily swap it for something else i can put that into the salon and use it the, the goodwill that creates yeah. uh, it far outweighs any cost involved but honestly you know i have my businesses for 30 odd years I, I can't think of it happening thousands of salons in this country that are just like thousands of salons yeah. They're not doing anything special. Yeah. If you want to see how to retail, really retail, go online and search Lush Liverpool. Lush Liverpool. Lush Liverpool. Okay. Yeah. I have been using a video. Uh, they've just opened the biggest Lush store ever. Oh, the, sm the smelly bath yeah. things, the bath yeah. bombs. Bath oh. bombs right? oh, so right, they right, sell yeah. shower gel yeah. and bath bombs, right? right? Just watch the video and see what they do. Oh, really? It's an experience. And I remember going up to Oxford Street with my partner, Jane. We were going to the theatre and, 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 and I said, oh, we've got half an hour to kill. I'm going to go down Oxford Street. I'm going to go into Jo Malone yeah. and I'm going to go to Lush. Yeah. And I went into Jo Malone and I took some pictures. Yeah. And the security guys got me by the scruff and threw me out. Right, yeah. <laughs> because they've got a lovely, uh, it looks a bit like a sushi bar at the end. Oh, yeah. So you sit down and they, sh oh, it's beautiful. And I took some pictures and he threw me out. I went into Lush and I thought, well, I won't be embarrassed Jane anymore because she gets embarrassed enough. <laughs> <laughs> I said, so So I went into Lush and I went up to a young lady and I said, um, I explained what I did mm. and why I wanted to take pictures. And she said, what would you like to see? Yeah. I told her what I did. Yeah. And I said, I love what you do in this store. And they have these amazing basins where you just play with things. Yeah. They have children's parties. Very tactile. And they, it's yeah. very tactile. Wow. And we came out of there. We were going to the Palladium for a show. And we... Took into the Palladium, 70 or 80 quid's worth of products that we didn't want, we didn't need. <laughs> They're still sitting in our guest bathroom yeah. to this day. But do we regret buying them? No, because we had an experience yeah. when we bought it. And if you see the experience people create, and yet we sell wet products in sales, but we don't have, most sales don't even have a tester, let alone an area where you could put your hands and feel them. Yeah, what it's like, yeah, yeah. And with any retail now, the retailers that are really succeeding are creating an experience. Okay, we're, we're homing in on shampoo at the moment, but before we move from retail, we've got to push this sideways into the hair as well because mm. it's just as important in the hair. But we've got to create an experience. Why would I want to come into you to buy my products in the first place? Mm. If I buy online, I can't smell, I can't feel, I can't touch. Yeah, yeah. I've got to feel, smell, and touch somewhere else. And if you go into a supermarket and watch people buying shampoo, they pick up the bottle, they take the top off, they squirt the bubble up their yeah. nose. True. Yeah. That's all part yeah. of it. Yeah. And yet you go into sales and sometimes they don't even have a tester that's marked. No. You, yeah. you and see you want the price on things as well. That price is always. I can't yeah. see the price. And the price, we, we recommend you put it on the back because sometimes on the bottom, bottom of bottles have got these ridges and things yeah. and codes and so the prices come off. Yeah. Put it on the back, stick it over the French because we, yeah. you know, stick it over the French or whatever because there's always all these languages you don't yeah. want to read so that people can pick it up and see it. Yeah. Um, so the price barrier is is dealt with, yeah. but we don't have that in salons. And no, no. We don't create that experience, and you'll get people. I have to say to salon owners, how often have you heard at the backwash a customer saying, 
smells nice. Yeah. What's that? Yeah. And you think, if that was one of my team, I would be sitting down with them afterwards and saying, you're not doing your job. Yeah, because they didn't know. Yeah. How dare yeah. you put something on that, that client's head without first explaining what it is you're using and why you're using it. Yeah. It's a wasted it, opportunity. I, it's rude. Yeah. Yeah. Supposing I now got something out of my pocket, squirt it in my hand and put it on your head. Oh. <laughs> Without warning. <laughs> cool. yeah. But supposing I said, I'll tell you what I've got here, I've got this wonderful hand, just try it, give me a hand, just try yeah. it. You try it. Yeah. That's just common courtesy. Yeah, yeah, no. It's and yet we slap stuff, or you, yeah. you'll see a, 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 a stylist run across the room to find a product. They get a squirt of something or a spray, and they come over and put it on your head, and the client says, oh, what's that? And what's they go, that? oh, it's just a bit of mousse. What okay. if it's just that's a bit of mousse? Go and put it on... The floor over there. Don't yeah. put it on my hair. I want to know what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's And true. why you're using yeah. it. Not just a bit of mousse. Just mousse. a bit of anything. Are there a couple of little spot checks? Somebody listening to this now could think, oh, right, gosh, I don't know. Are we good enough at retail? Am I good enough at retail? Yeah. What, could, what one or two questions could you ask yourself right now as a hairdresser that might give you a clue as to whether you're doing it enough or not? Well, numbers will tell you everything. Right. Uh, first of all, if you're if you're retail or your care factor, remember what I said earlier on about the care factor, because sometimes when people look at retail, they look at sales against turnover. Yeah. And that's telling you what percentage of your sales are generated in retail. Now, okay, that is a metric that's worth looking at, but it tells you different. It's different to the care factor. Yeah, because that's not because about the you might you, you might come in and buy a shed load of stuff. Yeah. So my retail percentage is quite. The care factor is what's important. Mm. That how many of my guests, I, mean, I would yeah. much rather both of you left this room with a bottle of shampoo each mm. than one of you bought two. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah that's better for business. And I suppose if you're sitting here and you don't know the answer to that question, that's another point. That's another it? point. Mm. We, we tend not to look at these numbers and we should. So it's, it's start measuring the right numbers and then, then analyse your team. Within your team, you will be have people that are doing it and getting results and people that won't. Now, this isn't just with retail. This is with, with colour percentage, with, with uh, upgrades, with conditioning treatments. You will have people that are doing it and people that aren't. And what you want to do is find out... One of the first things I learned when I joined 365 was success leads clues. Success, Success leaves. leaves clues. Ooh, nice nice. So, nice image, yeah. So if you find someone that's doing something right, learn from them. When I was in my salons, I always used to work next to a new stylist. Um, and even to this day, people say, well, you want to check up them. No, I don't want to check up them. I want to come and work next to you, Nikki, because I want to know what you do better than me. Yeah, right, yeah. And then when I find out what you can do better than me, most of you will go, well, I don't need to know that. Yeah. And they walk off. I would, go, yeah, I would go, Nikki, you do that so much better than me. Can you show me how to do that? Learn from yeah, success. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, I've, worked, I've had the opportunity to work with some wonderful sounds. I've worked with, you probably heard of, I don't know if you've interviewed the guys from the chapel. Oh, yes, yes. I, I just, yeah. absolutely. Toby and Amanda. If, Dick, yeah, if I amazing. was a hairdresser, I would be working for them. Absolutely, without doubt. Mm. But people, you look at what they do, and they say, oh, we can't do that. And you say, well, okay, you may not have a wonderful chapel, mm. But you can create something special. You can create your yeah. own. You can see, yeah. see how to... Just learn things. from what they've done. Yeah. And they run their business in a totally different way to any other salon yeah. that I know. Big oh, we can't do that. We can't yeah. charge in by time and not yeah. by service. And we can't do that. We can't. 
you can do anything. Yeah. You've just got to understand. And I think it's not be afraid of learning because it's like you're not going to learn. You're not going to just wake up one day and know how to do something. So there's no shame in learning. There's no shame in not knowing how to do something. No. There's no shame in asking for help or for ideas or saying, "Can I? You know, can you show me how to do that?" I think if you ever get to the point where you go, "I know it all," just pull the shutters down. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I I I I I still learn stuff every day. Mm. Um, and I love, I drive my partner mad because wherever I am, we've got a daughter and grandchild and son-in-law in, in Germany and I'm there taking pictures. She goes, what are you doing? I said, well, only last week I was there and I, I took some pictures of these stores with strange names. She said, what are you doing that for? I said, because the thought of the way they've decided on their brands is interesting. I'm going to yeah. do something with that. Right. She thinks I'm nuts. No, it's really, and it's I just think you can learn from this. Yeah. I think on that delightful I've imaginative note, we yeah. Um, <laughs> Sorry, Kim. That's okay. We'll have another cake. <laughs> Should we just say stop talking for now? Thank yeah. you. Come back. Yes, <laughs> I'd love to come back. And actually, there's so many oh, topics there is. we could, talk, we could talk about. There is. There yeah. is. No, I think we've we've done we've, we've dipped our toe in, as they say. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Thank you. It's lovely to meet you. It's a pleasure. Nice we to share We will write up lots of notes. So um, anybody listening to the podcast will be able to scroll down on their phone or their device, wherever you're listening, and um, see the notes and the links and the reminders of things that you said. But for now, Good. thank you very much. Thank you, both. <laughs>